0: Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. (laughs) I did great advice. (laughs) Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter side. I
1: got done laughing at my joke. Okay.
0: I know a lot of things and I share them on the podcast and you don't care. What are we talking about? I can't get a word in edgewise (laughs) on this show. I mean, it's...
1: Here's how we sell it. Okay. (laughs) Hello, I am Jackie Martling. And I am Peter Bales. And a funny thing happened to me on the way to the show today. I uh, got a text from my old friend, Ron Zimmerman, who is with a couple of dear old friends of ours, Bill Masters, comics from way back at the comic strip in 1979. And I don't know if you know the story, but I wanted to start with this. I met Ron Zimmerman in uh, Washington, D.C. He worked at a club called Garvin's, where Bill Masters also worked and a bunch of the guys, and that's how come I wound up on the Howard Stern Show, because Howard was on D.C. 101 in Washington, D.C., got fired and came to New York City. So I met this guy, Ron Zimmerman, who was just, was and is a great character. But (laughs) we were working at Garvin's, and I had never met him before. He's a little, thin guy, real smart, real fun, real cool. And we had a packed house on Saturday night, first show. You know what, it must have been Friday night for a show because I had never seen Zach act before. That's an important part of the show, part of the story. And he goes up, he's, he's, I think he was on second and I was headlining or I was going on last. And we had no idea that the entire audience was Amway people. They had given him some kind of special, so like there were hundreds of people from Amway, which I don't know if it's still going around, but there's kind of a religious cult sales type thing. Very straight-laced and everything. And Zimmerman goes up to do his act, and I had never seen it before, and here's all these religious people, and this has a bad word in it, but I don't care. He goes, you know so funny one of his bits was you know that guy that freaking guy that wrote that james bond song you know how much money that guy made every time that plays he makes money i bet that guy has a goddamn dog that goes probably his doorbell is ring 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 and he goes and he beats it to death and it's so funny and he said you know when i was a kid I came home, and I had gotten in trouble because I got caught stealing. And my mother said, you tell your father that tonight. And we were at the dinner table, and she said, Ron, tell your father what happened. And he says, I got caught stealing. And he brought the, the whole family into the living room, and he raped me. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa. And he goes, you know what? I never stole anything after that. <laughs> but meanwhile, these people like Harry the owner's like, "Does he know who's in the audience?" <laughs> I mean, I mean the place couldn't have been more silent. It was a, a, the proverbial oil painting. Oh, and you it was you just... have to know your audience. You have
0: to as a comedian
1: oh. know who your audience is. But but that's ha- that was Harry's sense of humor to not tell us, but it w- you would never think it would be on- that was like a quantum leap above what anybody else. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, I... Harry,
0: the owner, the only comedy club owner who used to wear a gun on his belt, we're Long Island guys. We're not used to this gun culture. He, he strolled around with a gun. It was, it was the Wild West. I and have, it was Washington, D.C., and in not the greatest neighborhood. Uh, Jackie, you remind me of a couple of things. I have a friend, Rich Walker, funny Long Island comedian who went up on stage. We were doing a benefit for parents of children with autism, raising money for autism. And he goes up and he's killing for 10 minutes and then decided to go into his impression of Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. And the audience went from here to BOOM! And he didn't know what happened. He, he didn't have any no, idea? No, he didn't. You've gotta know who your audience is. It's just, you have to, and the, you've heard this story. i got to tell it. Johnny Carson, the one, the only, young people. Johnny Carson used to host the Tonight Show right after Jack Parr. For decades. For decades. And um, Johnny Carson was performing at a big casino in Las Vegas. The owner of the casino comes, Johnny, can you just drop a few names, these names? into your set. These are my clients. They're going to love it. It'll mean so much to me. So Johnny goes, sure. So he goes up and he does his show. And he's dropping the names. And there's no reaction, dead silence. He drops these names into his jokes. And no reaction, nothing at all. And Johnny gets off and he says to the owner of the casino, I dropped those names, but nobody reacted. And the owner goes, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to drop them in the second show. names in the <laughs> second show, not the first show. Oh, that's
1: oh. great. I love it. Oh, I love You know, speaking of uh, Garvin's and speaking of Washington, D.C., a, a couple moved to Washington, D.C. that had been huge fans of my band on Long Island, and we told so many jokes, and then I became a comedian, and they came to some shows, and they moved to Washington, D.C. But they were they were part of a, a group. And they called me up and said, hey, we're going to get married. We'd like you to come do jokes. And I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, But what happened, it turned out, they had each been married before and were divorced. So this was a second wedding for each of them. Now, I don't know that. And they go, well, (laughs) we'd like you to take, you know, have a little fun with the crowd, the Aunt Sadie and Uncle Charlie and Little Jimmy and you know and they gave me dirt on all these people and i went down and it was a decent amount. you know to washington, go to washington dc in like 1981 was a big deal and take the amtrak and everything and i get up and he's there and she's there and here's all their families and all these people it's a big wedding they're the only ones in on the joke and uh, they've got me saying stuff uh, that none of the families would say out loud. Oh, and there's little Jimmy. That kid hasn't come out of his room in three months. And that, and it, it's like it was you could cut the silence <laughs> with a knife. And and of course, they're screaming because I'm airing all the dirty laundry. It was just fantastic, uh, you know, but that but this was not a case of me not doing my homework. I just, you know, I just it would have never dawned on me to say, is it OK with them if I say these things, you know? Oh, you know, Aunt Sadie, she never saw a meal she didn't enjoy. You know what I mean? Like
0: <laughs> <coughs> I was booked to do a show for some uh, evangelical Christians out east here on Long Island, and I know who they are. I knew who they were, and you got to work clean, and that's fine. I can do that. But how clean is clean? Oh, that's,
1: that's such a moving
0: target. It is a moving target. And uh, I do a joke about, uh, I say to an audience member, what do you do for a living? And she answered me, I shop and I bitch. And her husband was sitting right next to her and he said, yeah, and she's got really long hours too. And so I do that joke. And after the show, the woman says, how dare you use the B word? Wow. Wow. What B word? (laughs) Bitch. Bitch. Well, bitch means complain. You bitch about something and you complain. And she goes, no, we're giving you half your money. Uh, And I completely lost my temper and stormed out and never got paid anything. You showed them. I
1: showed them. (laughs) I guess I did
0: not really show In this day.
1: I showed myself. In this day of censorship and politically incorrect and all this stuff, it dawned on me that I was such a victim of that same kind of ridiculous censorship, but it wound up being such a great story. <clears throat> my second CD—we were just talking about this before the show about how any kind of project you do, a television show, or a CD, whatever—it's never finished. You know, it's always like it could have been a little better. It could be, you know, but you do the CD and say, "All right, that's that," and then I do my second one. And I like to be a little bit creative, and I don't even know if how many decades ago this is, but I'm sure the whole world is aware of the Beatles had a very, very popular album called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, back when I was a sophomore in college or whatever. So here's my second CD, and I named it Sergeant Pecker. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very creative, very funny, perfect for the Baby Boomers. Everybody, Fred Norris to this day, my, the guy who I worked with, he, still, he laughed every time because it's such a funny play on words. <clears throat> and everybody loved it. And I sold it on the Howard Stern Show. And he would say, you want to get Jackie C.D.? Sergeant Pecker. 1-800-323-KING. It was you know, it was it was, uh, it was was given out on the show, it was given out on the e-television show, and I sold and sold. And is and that number e- still good for the yeah, audience? I, I'm sure it is. And <laughs> I came home one day and my future ex-wife, which is so funny because she really was, um, she said, we just got a call from West Telemarketing. And the way the number worked, it was a, it was a 1-800 number, and people would call the number to buy the CD. And it's amazing, things you don't know. They do a thing called an upsell, which sounded to me like a waste of yes. time. You know, when somebody says, oh, are you are buying a lawnmower? Do you also want to buy some grass seed? Yes. But it's amazing how it works. Yes. So they'd say, would you also like to buy a mug? Would you like to buy a t-shirt? Would you like to buy a kiss? And we almost made more yep. with the upsell stuff. So we had to load these people. We'd ship all the stuff to Omaha with these little <laughs> old Mormon ladies. They literally answered the phone. What, what would you like? You also want to blah, blah, blah. And Nancy says, they just called, and the little old ladies, the Mormon ladies at West Hell Marketing refused to say pecker. And I'm like, wait, hold on a minute. David Pecker owns the National Enquirer. The chicken has a pecker on its nose. They they refused to do it, so they could only do it for two more days, and then they were yanking it. And I told Howard, and, and he said, listen, this is the last two days to get Jackie Sergeant Pecker. Which was so funny, and we sold like 20, I mean a a (laughs) zillion of them, but it was the most ridiculous situation of censorship, and then what's really funny is the next CD I put out I called Hot Dogs and Donuts, (laughs) if you can take a donut and think about a hot dog going into it and make it into a sexual thing, that's (laughs) not on me, that's on you. That's
0: on you. Well, that's a different kind of censorship. That's an economic censorship. You couldn't sell your album. I got to tell you though, censorship for comedians in the New York City clubs, in the comedy clubs, rare, rare, rare. You could be as dirty as you wanted to be. But I was censored a couple of times at the comic strip. I did a joke when I was hosting. They used to pack that place. They used to pack it. One time the fire marshal came in and said, are you kidding me? And I, as the host, I would say- Everybody
1: said Richie had a shoehorn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) I I turned to the side of the audience at really small tables, everybody packed in, really helped the laughs. But uh, I turned to the side section that was packed in, and they go, we call you the dental chart section, because if there's a fire, that's the only way you will ever be identified. And it's funny, and people laugh, but Richie, taking the owner, took me aside afterwards. Why don't, well, we said, why, don't we, why don't we lose that one? Why do not we lose that oh. one? It's got a good laugh. Yeah,
1: yeah, because meanwhile people are looking around like you know. And also governors—they they, all, all they, of a sudden it's, it's the it's the tricolor fire or whatever it <laughs> was. Well, remember that one?
0: <laughs> the uh, governor's uh, comedy club on Long Island lets you do anything except make fun of the food. <laughs> all right, because they're selling that food. Right, and uh, it's horrible. And you know, <laughs> I don't know if it is anymore. But well, back they, they, they work you know, on it now. Uh, it's much better than it was, I got to tell you, but, but I mean, you can really, they, censorship is rare, at least in the
1: comedy clubs right. and out at gigs. Yeah, you know, what's really funny is when somebody makes mistakes, um, it's not <laughs> even censorship, but you let's know your audience. And I, I hope I didn't tell this on on the show already, but when we first started, we didn't know anything. Yeah. and. You did your jokes, you uh, you know, I, I did my, you know, I did very few Jesus jokes because I found out very early on I could care less about Jesus. I mean, I'm sure he was a nice guy. But if you do a Jesus joke, all of a sudden, for the next minute or two, the people are kind of thinking, am I going to get hit by lightning if I laugh at this? Right. And they miss the premise of the next joke. Right. So it's not worth it to me to lose a joke. So, you know, Jesus can go his merry way. and I will do a joke about something else. But we first got working. And Bob Woods had a great joke in his act about Phil Rizzuto because he did impressions. I know it well. And he did impressions. and um, But we worked on Long Island. All of a sudden, I got the gig Mustache Pete's in Haskell, New Jersey from Ron Richards. So I'm taking my amplifier and a couple of comedians and we're doing these shows in Haskell, New Jersey. And Woods gets up to do his act. Not realizing he's not on Long Island. Okay. He's in New Jersey. And he right. goes, hello, I'm Phil Rasuto from the money store. <laughs> if you work in New Jersey, holy cow, does a stink in that state. <laughs> and he just told the entire audience that their state stinks, uh, and it went quiet, and all of a sudden, like you saw the light bulb go, like, uh, maybe I'll change yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> change that next time.
0: When you start out as a comedian, you te- I used to call them hostility mistakes. You have to, number one, as a comedian, be likable. And if you put down an audience member or put down somebody in your act too much, you're not likable. I wouldn't do a religion joke in a million years because I don't want to make... Anybody in the audience mad? I want everybody to like me. Can you imagine a controversial subject? Forget like
1: about men. You don't want them uncomfortable.
0: You don't want them uncomfortable. Like 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 the most controversial subject in America today, probably abortion. I wouldn't touch that. You, whatever you do, you're going to make half the audience mad. That's why I don't p- do political humor. I'm so into. That's why
1: I stopped having sex.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> it's one of the reasons. <laughs> 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 um, I don't even tell the audience if I'm a Met fan or a Yankee fan. I don't want to, I want them all to like me. I don't want to turn
1: off half the audience. Yeah, what about people that don't like baseball? Well, well that's their problem. We have so many great stories about <laughs> mistakes that have been made on comedy club stages, let alone rock and roll stages. What Jackie
0: is saying is he's made so many mistakes, he can't count.
1: It will fill the next show <laughs> and we shall return.
0: Hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? It's starring me, Peter Bales,
1: and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martlin. Please follow us on social media, search it out. What is it? MeSpace? MySpace? Your space? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Dooda da <laughs>